of him just share with us what God has today for us. Amen. So let's give him a great big hand. Brother Randy Lawrence, will you come? Amen. Good morning. It's so good to see you guys. You can be seated. Um, it's such an honor uh, to be here with you. And uh, I love uh, coming into the house of God, and I love uh, getting to come to new places. And, uh, you know, we're all the body of Christ, um, but it's, it's nice when you get to meet new family members, right? It makes you excited. It reminds me, there used to be this basketball team that was really good back in the day called the Chicago Bulls. And they had this really good uh, player named Michael Jordan. <clears throat> Well, there was one particular game where Jordan just played his mind out, and he had uh, he scored 69 points in that game as it went into double overtime, and it was just unbelievable game. And there was also uh, a young rookie on the Bulls uh, team named Stacy King, and uh, and he didn't have such a hot game. He had took four shots and missed them all. Um, but he did get fouled and went to the free throw line and made one of his free throws. And so at the end of the game, all the reporters, you know, they wanted to talk to Michael Jordan, scored 69 points, but he was just so tired and uh, they just rushed him off the court into the locker room. So the reporters could only get a hold of that rookie, Stacy King, and they said, Stacy, man, what do you think about this crazy game? And he said, tonight will always be the night that everyone remembers Stacy King and Michael Jordan combined for 70 points, right? <laughs> you know, it's important to know whose team you're on, right? And uh, I'm happy that I'm on your team. And uh, it's such an honor uh, to get to meet you and see this beautiful house of worship, see all that God is doing in Bedford, Indiana. You know, God is moving on the earth. God is moving on the earth, and uh, he's... Uh, building his church, and, um, you know, the church is the bride of Christ, right? And I don't know if you've ever went to a wedding, uh, but what is the apex of the wedding? The highlight of the wedding is when the back doors open and the bride walks in, right? So we are the bride of Christ, all right? So we're not going to go out of this thing, all right, limping, falling around, tripping. We're going to go out as the glorious church that God is building. Do you believe that this morning? Amen, amen. Again, it's such an honor to be here with you. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 2. This is straight up a, uh, a platform for skinny preachers, and I am not a skinny preacher. So, you know, if, uh, if I trip and fall, you just say, bless them, Jesus, all right? So, um, Pastor, this is amazing that you can preach up here. I mean, you are half of my size, but you're down there all the time. Does he really come down? If I don't come down, I'm probably going to end up coming down, right? It'd be like the preacher who was, he was talking about, he said, you know, in my spirit this morning, I feel like the Lord is coming back soon. And um, I'll, I'll just finish the story where they're moving it down. And he said, I hear the Lord saying, I'm coming back soon. And, uh, you know, the church didn't respond very much. He said, I tell you, I hear the Lord saying, I'm coming back soon. 
And he got a little bit of response. And so the third time he just round up and gave it all he got and said, the Lord is coming back soon. And as soon as he did that, he tripped over the front row, fell off of the platform into a little old lady's lap on the front row. And thoroughly embarrassed, he picked himself up. Ma'am, I am so, so, so sorry. She said, hey, I should have known you were coming. You told me three times. I should have been ready. <laughs> right? So Joshua chapter 2, we're going to look in verse 12. Thank you, uh, Pastor Greg and Brandy, for your beautiful hospitality. Um, it was such an honor to get to come into their home last night. And they are just incredible leaders and get to share a little bit of time with them. And, and I won't preach very long, and there's one reason that's not so spiritual, is because they had made a beautiful meal last night, and they were telling me they were finishing their fast, and sweet little Rebecca had made like these super heavenly cookies, all right? And so Pastor Greg's like, I got a couple more hours, and we're digging into these cookies, all right? So I'm ready to have some cookies myself. So if you can listen quickly, I can preach quickly this morning, but I do want to share uh, the word that I feel like the Lord would have for us today. Is that me? I, I need to stop grabbing, hitting that mic. All right. Um, Joshua chapter 2, verse 12 through 21. Now, in this story where we're going to pick up, uh, this is where Joshua and the children of Israel are getting ready to come into the city of Jericho. And, um, and so as they were doing a little bit of reconnaissance work on the city, they sent in the spies to go in and just see what the situation was like. And the citizens of Jericho spotted uh, the spies. And so uh, in the midst of all the hustle and bustles they're trying to get out, um, a, a lady took them and hid them in her home. And she knew who they were. She knew that they were the God, God's chosen people. And so she hid them in her house on the wall. And then this conversation ensues and we're going to pick up in verse 12. And, and she says, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, Our lives for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned, and afterward you may go your way. Verse 17, so the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of ours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father and your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the streets, his blood shall be on his own head, and, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from our oath, from your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she went away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, this morning that you are with us. And I pray that this morning, God, as we get into your word, 
that you would just do what only you can do, Holy Spirit, and that is cause the word of God to come alive inside of our, inside of our hearts and our lives. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. I want to talk to you this morning on, on this thought, this is my house. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, say, this is my house. This is my house. Look at your other neighbor and say, this is my house. This is my house. I love this story where Rahab takes the spies and begins to, to hide them and protect them. And I think that in this story, there are, uh, it's kind of a picture of the world that we live in today. And some of the things that I believe that we need to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us and apply it to our life. Uh, the first thing that I would like to point out from this story that we can apply to our life today is the first thing that we must do is we have to find it. Everybody say find it. Say find it. Verse 17, as the story starts, the men said to Rahab, we will be blameless of, a, of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window. So the the spies gave her a simple promise. They said, we're going to give you a red scarlet cord like a rope. And they said, here's what you need to do, Rahab, is, yes, you are correct. This city is going to be destroyed. And everything that's in this city is going to fall. And we will keep this oath that we will protect you. You will not die. Everybody that's in the house will not die. But in order for this to happen, you've got to take this scarlet cord and you've got to essentially hang it in the window. You see, this, there was no accident of the reason this cord was going to be a red cord, all right? This was symbolic for us, all right? And what they were saying was, there is going to be a red line, a bloodline, all right, that if you find it, everybody say find it, if you find it, it's going to keep you safe. It's going to protect you. It's going to save you in the day of, of fear, in the day of trouble, when everything else falls, when all hell breaks loose. If you can find it, you're going to be safe. You're going to be safe. You know, so earlier in this story, what was happening in Jericho was fear was breaking out in Jericho. And, and in fact, Joshua records in verse 8, that uh, she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land because what terror is set in. Terror and fear. People are faint-hearted. Sounds a little bit like our nightly news. Are you with me today? All right? She's like, people are straight up losing their mind. Scroll through Facebook for about 30 seconds. You will feel the same way. People are losing their mind. What is wrong? And people were full of anxiety and fear. What's going to happen? I don't know where tomorrow, where are we going to get this answer and how are we going to survive? And in the middle of all of this, little Rahab found an answer. And they said, if you take this scarlet cord and you hold on to it and you find it, you will be safe. You, it was a picture that was painted for us. Hebrews told the same thing, that Jesus would go before us as our high priest and that he would be the saving line for us. It was this beautiful picture that they were finding. I don't know about you, but in this day and age that we're living in, we better find the true source of peace, the true source of knowing where our answer is. And Rahab found it. She found it, and she knew that this was the real deal. 
You know, um, a couple years ago on Christmas, we started this new thing with our kids, and it's actually our favorite Christmas tradition. And as we take them to Dollar Tree, all right, we're big spenders, okay? I got four kids, all right? So um, that's why my hair stands up all the time, all right? So my wife's a real hero because I travel and she, you know, she keeps our home and she does an amazing job. But we take all four of our kids into Dollar Tree and we let them buy gifts for each other. And I, and I love it because, you know, our, our kids, especially when they were younger, you know, they would always come up, Dad, how much does this cost? I'm like, it's a dollar, right? We go, to, hey, Dad, how about this? How much does this cost? It's a dollar, right? This is why we're here, okay? And so they would go through and they would do all their, all their shopping. And then, and then before we would go uh, let them open all of our gifts, the night before we let them open their Dollar Tree gifts. And that first year we did it, man, our, our first son uh, opened up a yo-yo from his younger brother, who was, his younger brother was four at the time. And they were, he was so excited about getting this yo-yo. So, of course, dad was like, hey, I'm going to break this yo-yo in. Y'all gather around, right? And so I got this yo-yo, and I was like, you guys watch dad. I am, I am the pro at being a yo-yo guy, right? And so I had the family gathered around, and I put that thing on my finger, and I flung it down real fast, getting ready to do my first trick. And would you know, I flung it down. That yo-yo went right off the end of the string, uh, string and just flew across the end of the house, right? And, 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 and my son, Chase, he looked at me, and, and actually tears started filling his eyes. And he was like, I actually really did want a yo-yo, Dad. I really did want one. And so I looked at him and said, here is the deal. I said, this is a fake imitation. It's a cheap yo-yo. I said, Daddy, we'll take you down to Walmart, and we'll buy you a real yo-yo. Come on, are you with me? How many knows today in our world there's a lot of fake imitations out there? Things that will say, this will give you peace. This will give you hope. This will give you an escape from all the problems. A couple weeks ago, I was in California, and I got out of the airport, and I went to pick up my rental car. And when I opened up the door, a cloud hit me. And I wish it was a Shekinah glory cloud, okay, but it was a cannabis cloud, all right? I mean, it was so bad, I had to go back. I said, I'm sorry, I just need to trade cards. I, I, I signed up for the economy car, not the medicinal car, all right? So swap me out. And all around our community today, we could go out and you're going to see people searching and people looking for answers and people saying, I've got it over here. If you could just have this, if you could just have this job, or if you could just have this relationship, or if you could just get that decimal on your paycheck to move one zero to the right, come on, are you with me? Then you'll be happy. If you could just have that house or that garage or that boat, or you know, you, if you could have this body, come on, are you with me? Going to the gym, working out, getting it on the elliptical machine. You're looking over, man, if my husband could work out like that guy over there, I'd be happy. Fake imitations that will make you feel like that will make me happy. There is only one line that you can find that will give you peace. And in the middle of everything falling apart, in the middle of everybody losing your mind, you can find it. Come on, somebody say find it got to find it. you got to find it. It's, it's, it's our hope. It's our source. Your church is called what? Cornerstone. There's a verse that speaks of that, that we, our house is built on Jesus Christ, our cornerstone. This is the source of our peace. 
Come on, our peace doesn't come from the next economic boom. It doesn't come from who the president is now or who the president will be in 10 years. Our peace comes from one place. And that is the source that will give us peace. That is the source that gives our heart hope. It's our foundation. We used to sing an old song, my hope is built on nothing else, right? You got to find it. Everybody say find it. Years ago, there was a story of a man um, who lived in England, and one of his favorite passions was collecting art. And he loved to collect art, and, and, and he amassed one of the most famous art collections in the world. And he only had one son. He had lost his wife, and, and his son grew older. His son shared the passion of collecting art. And so they would go around, and they would collect all these fine pieces of art. And it was actually one of the most famous art collections in the world. Well, uh, when his son became of age, their country went to war. And his son got drafted and had to go into the army. And then on Christmas Day, the father got a knock on the door that he never wanted to hear. And there was a, a young man who had told him that his son had passed away. And, uh, and, and the, the old man just lost all of his joy, lost all of his passion, and just sunk into a deep, dark depression. Later in the spring, he got another knock on the door, and he opened, and there was a service member, a young man, and he said, sir, could I come in for a moment? And he said, sure, and he came in, and he had a, a, a gift for him, and as the father opened it, it was a portrait of his son and that this man had painted. And he said, sir, I am not a painter. He said, but, he said, your son was actually the medic who was saving my life when he died. And he said, we, he had told me of your love for art. And he said, so I just wanted to bring you this gift. And that father, his heart just came alive. And he took that picture of his son and he put it over the mantle. It took the number one place in his, in his life, in all of his art collection. A few years later, when the father died, art collectors from around the world gathered to begin to bid on his world-class art collection. And so as the auctioneer stepped up, they said, okay, come on in, we're going to start the bidding. And he said, we're going to start the first piece on the block today is the picture uh, right here on the mantel place of this, of this soldier. And so he started the bidding. He said, you know, who give me $1,000? So, you know, who will, who will, will anybody give me $500? And people started moaning, complaining, come on, let's get the real auction going. Come on. He said, can you give me $100? Finally, a man raised his hand, and he said, I only have $50, but I'll give you $50. And the guy said, okay, $50, going once, going twice, sold. The guy said, I was his gardener, and I knew who that picture was. The auctioneer stood up and said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming today. We appreciate you coming out. You can now be dismissed. The auction is over. People got so upset. What is going on? And he said, according to the will of the father, he who takes the son takes it all. The auction is over. Somebody say, find it. Find it. We've got to find it today. The second thing we see from this passage is not only do we have to find it, but we have to bind it. Everybody say, bind it. Verse 21 says that when Rahab got the cord, that she took it and she bound it in the window. See, the, the Bible doesn't say that Rahab took the cord and said, Hey, family, come on, gather in for a family meeting. I got good news and bad news. Bad news is Jericho is going to be destroyed. Everybody's going to die. 
But the good news is, is I found something and we can be safe as long as I put this in the window. So she throws it on the coffee table and she says, you guys remind me one day, we need to put that in the window. No, she took it immediately and she said, this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is our priority and she bound it in the window. See, anybody ever had a mama that had like a room in the house like you weren't supposed to play around in? Don't throw the ball in that room, right? Right? You don't mess in that room. Like that's where the nice furniture is. Like that's where the lamp. I can imagine Rahab is gathering around her kids and saying, y'all don't mess around that window because if that cord falls out and we lose it, we're lost. There was a priority for her and her family. She bound it. See, it's not enough to just find it. You've got to bind it. It has to be a priority for you. It's a principle all throughout Scripture we see of God first. Of God first. That before everything else, God is first. Can we be honest with one another today that we struggle in this area, especially in America, right? Because we are surrounded by so many things and so many options. And, 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 and so often it becomes so easy for God to just be kind of pushed to the back corner, right? And, and we know about this because we've heard so many sermons and we got churches on every corner. we got more Bibles than we know what to do with. So what we do is we say, oh yeah, I know about this. It's true. I kind of believe it. But when I get around to it, it'll be a priority. She said right away, I'm bounding it. I'm putting it in the window. It's going to be a priority. Everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to do it. Nobody mess with that. That's first in our lives. It was a priority for us. I know even as a father, I love being a dad. I love being a a husband to my wife. I, I love raising kids, and I love being involved in their life. I love to try to make it to every sport game that I can and every concert and every choir. And I love to teach them how to play ball. I've taught our daughters volleyball and my son baseball, and he loves, he loves sports. I'm coaching my son's little five- and six-year-old basketball team right now, so y'all pray for me, all right? I'm way in over my head. But I will not stand before God one day and say, hey, God, Thank you for my beautiful wife and my beautiful kids. And, and I, you won't believe I taught them how to fish. And I taught them how to, to, to hunt and play basketball and baseball and did all those things. I was present in their life. That's all great, but God's going to ask one thing. What was the priority for them? I don't want to be guilty of standing before God and saying, I could teach them how to hunt and fish and play sports, but I couldn't teach them the priority of the word of God. The priority of God first in their life. And I know what it's like. Everything gets so busy and so many things. And and so many times we have so many commitments that we're like, I don't even have time for this. We have to bind it. Everybody say bind it. We got to bind it. It has to become our priority in our life. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you checked your knot lately? Have you checked your knot lately? You say, come on now, you're being religious. You're being religious. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. He said this. He said, examine yourself to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Look what the message translation said. He said, test yourself to make sure that you're solid in your faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. 
What Paul's saying is, hey, have you examined this lately? Have you checked the knot? Is it a priority for you? A couple years ago, I was having some physical problems, and I went in. I, I don't like going to the doctor. If you're a physician, don't be offended. I love you. I thank God for you. I just don't like going into your office. But I went in, and I was going to a new family doctor, and the guy walked in, and um, he was so cool. He was so young, and so he was just, like, stylish and cool, and He's like, hey, bro, what's up? You know, what's wrong? What's going on? Like, I'm having this year and this year. I was like, this ain't so bad. I'm like, this guy's awesome. And then uh, he's like, well, I, I, I'll, I'll be out. And then a few minutes later, the real doctor walked in. And he was experienced. And he was an older gentleman. And he sat down. He said, so I understand this is the issue. I was like, yes, sir. He was like, so how much do you weigh? I was like, that's none of your business. He's like, what have you been eating? You know, he was getting in my grill, right? He was like, let's get to the bottom of this problem. I didn't want to go there, right? I was like, I'm six foot two, 200 and none of your business pounds. You can take your little physicians, go, go back outside. But what he was doing was helping me get to the issue, examining the knot. Are you with me this morning? Saying, okay, is it going to be a priority for you or not? Come on. Sometimes all we want is quick fixes. Yes, I'll come to God when everything's falling apart, and we should, okay? And God meets us, and he's there. But then when everything seems to be going okay, we forget about the priority of keeping this. And listen, this is our lifeline. This is our priority. Everything else is going to fall away, but this is what will stand. And so we have to learn to examine, examine ourselves to make sure that it is a priority with me. Are you following me this morning? Stay connected. Stay connected. You know, one of the verses that scares me is the Bible says in Matthew that many will say to Jesus, to God on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we? do all these things in your your name like we did it like I was preaching I was leading the choir I was leading the drama like I was up there on the guitar jamming out you saw me and the Lord says but but I never knew you like somewhere along the way it just became a routine for you and you're not really wasn't that tight because you know what the devil never has a merciful day in his life are you hearing me? He never has a day where he's like, I think I'll be merciful today. He's always out to steal, kill, and destroy. We have to make sure we bind it. Everybody say bind it. Number one, we got to find it. Everybody say find it. Say bind it. And number three, we got to get behind it. Say get behind it. Look at your neighbor and say get behind it. Look at your other neighbor and say it a little bit louder. Say get behind it. Get behind it. Watch what the promise was in verse 19 to Rahab. It was, take this scarlet rope, put it in your window, make sure that it's there. And then she says, they said, and whoever, whoever, everybody say whoever. How many is glad that whoever can come to Jesus? Are you with me? He said, whoever is with you, where? In the house. In the house. They're like, hey, Rahab, go get them all and get them in the house. Get them in the house. Does it mean that just because we come to Christian, just because we come to church, we are a Christian? Absolutely not. 
You know, I can go to McDonald's every day. It will not make me a Big Mac with cheese. I might look like a Big Mac with cheese, but I'm still a human being. But there is power of being in the house. Can we talk for just a minute about being all in? I love seeing that on your wall, all right? Something that there's powerful that happens in our life when we get behind the mission of the church, getting in the house. Getting in the house and getting on board with what God has for our life, with the plan and purpose that God has for our life. Some of you might be listening and saying, well, I don't, you're, not, you're not talking about me. Surely you're talking about the preachers and the ministers. No, listen, guess who God has a purpose and plan for? All of us. You know what God uses? People. He uses people. He uses people. So God has a purpose and a plan for all of us, and we don't discover that until we get in the house and get behind the mission of the church. And some of you have been wondering, like, where is the missing piece? Like, I come to God, and, and God does these incredible things for my life, and everything seems to be going well, but then, then I'm just I'm missing out. It's because you are not getting behind the mission that God has for your life and the mission of the church. Come on, you know what we love to do? We love to play the spiritual hokey pokey. Get my right foot in, right? I'll be in for a little bit. Yeah, pastor, I'll do that. But then we get our right foot out. Are you following me this morning? Listen, God has a purpose and a place and a plan for your life, but you've got to get behind it. You've got to get behind the mission of the church, the mission of what God wants to do in the earth. You've got to go all in. To what God has for you. You're like, you're just talking about the pastors and the missionaries. Listen, Ephesians 4.11 says that all the pastors, missionaries, teachers, they are, their, their job is to equip the saints, us, all of us, for the work of the ministry. That means we all have a part, right? Like, I grew up in church. My parents were pastors. But way back in the day, like, the, 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 the idea or the concept was we hire a pastor and then they do everything. So we cleaned the toilets, we mowed the lawn, we did the announcements, we taught the Sunday school classes, we did everything. But listen, there is a word in the Greek for that, okay, and its interpretation in English is baloney, all right? Because when we treat God's house like that, guess who misses out on getting fulfilled? The people who aren't taking part. Because when you get in the mission of the church and you get in board and you go all in, you, God begins to do so many things in your life. And you're like, oh man, I never even knew that God could use my life like that. He does. Everybody say, get behind it. I know what you're saying. Well, if the church just didn't have so many hypocrites in it, you know, Walmart has hypocrites, and that doesn't stop us. Well, I just do grocery pickup. I don't go in. There's a hypocrite bagging your groceries, bless God. There is no perfect church. Think about Noah on the ark. The ark was a picture of the church, right? It was a picture of the church. That, that when everything else was going to fall apart and everything else was going to be destroyed, there was going to be this safe haven that the Lord was going to create that would keep them safe. Imagine how stinky and messy it was on the ark. Come on, where did all the poop go? Come on. 
Imagine how messy it was. I mean, any of you ever had more than one animal, right? They fight, they bark. I mean, how loud and how many fights had to be broken up and how messy it was. But it was the only thing floating. It was the only thing floating. Listen, God has never changed his plan. He will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you know what I get tired of today? I get tired of everybody bashing the church. Because you know what? In my heart, I want to be a fan of the church. I want to be a fan of the church. You know, as a husband, uh, you can mess with me. That's okay. You talk about my wife, we're going to fight. Right? That's my bride. Come on, some of you need to be reminded the next time you want to get up and start bad-mouthing the church and start backbiting and talking about all the hypocrites in the church, you better check yourself because you're talking about somebody's bride. You're talking about somebody's bride. Come on, God said, Joshua said, you and everybody in the house, get them all in the house. See, we got to get behind the mission of the church because we all have a purpose and a plan I think about the story of the the man who was rescued on a desert island and it was an amazing case of survival he had survived and then finally the day came that he had been waiting for he saw a a, a helicopter and it was a rescue pilot who found him and as they picked up this man they put him in the helicopter and they began uh, to make their way back to the mainland. And the helicopter, the pilot, looked at him and he said, now I thought you were here by yourself. And he said, well, I am. I've been here for years. He said, well, there's three buildings down there. And the guy said, well, I know. I built all of those myself. He said, that first one right there is the house that I built, and that's where I've been living and surviving. And he said, that second building, he said, that's the church that I built where I go and worship. And he said, well, what's that third one? He said, that's the church that I built that I used to go to before I got mad and left. Right? Before I got mad and left. Come on. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, hey, there's no perfect people. There's no perfect church. But I want to get on board the mission that God has for my life. You got to find it. Everybody say, find it. Say, get, so bind it. Say, bind it. Get behind it. Get on board what God has for your life because you are a part of what God wants to do in the earth. Let's stand today. Father God, I'm going to ask our worship team if they can just come back. Father God, I'm thankful today that we get to be alive in such an incredible day and hour. in which you are, you're, you're moving mightily all over the earth. You're keeping true to your promise that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Father, I thank you that you have given us a hope that we can grab a hold on to. That through all the testing and shifting of time, through all that life throws our way, we can hold on to this hope that you give us, this foundation, this rock. Lord, we're grateful for that. Father, I pray 
that in this day and hour that we are living in, that like never before, you would awaken such a hunger and desire inside of our hearts to just be used for your kingdom, Lord. I thank you for this great church. I thank you for the people that are in it. I thank you, Lord, that you are equipping them and engaging them and even challenging some of them to say, yes, I'm going to get involved in what God has called me to do and the giftings he's giving me. I want to find my place to serve. I want to find my place to get behind the mission of the church of what God wants to do in the earth. I thank you, Lord, that you're encouraging some who've kind of just been on the sideline. They've kind of just been watching from afar and and they've been here and that's great, but you're, you're calling them to, Lord, go all in to get on board for what you have for their life. Because, Lord, you are our hope. You are our hope. I want you to just bow your head for a moment. I want you to ask God what God may be speaking to you today. Just ask him, say, God, what are you speaking to me from this message from your word? Holy Spirit, what is it that you're showing me? I feel from God that there are some in the room and you feel like your knot's just a little bit loose. Some of you just been going through some difficult seasons and you're holding on, but you're just like, I'm holding on by thread just I face some discouragement I've faced some challenges I've I'm holding on but man it has been tough I feel like the Lord wants to just encourage you this morning the Lord wants to refresh you this morning I feel like the Lord wants to remind you that it's going to be okay some in the room priority of God first has kind of just been life has been kind of pushing it to the side the Holy Spirit this morning is just like a gentleman gently reminding you God first that's where the peace is going to come from that's where the peace is going to come from that's where the security is going to come from God first God first so here's what I want to invite you to do this morning. If the Lord is speaking to you in any area. I'm, I'm a firm believer that when the Lord speaks to us, that we respond to him. When somebody greets me, I'm a firm believer that I look them back in the face and I respond to them in some way. And so if the Lord is speaking to you and, and drawing you this morning, I want to invite you to respond. And here's what I'd like for you to do. I just would like for you to come and find you a place here at the altar. And I want you to just begin to meet with God. Just begin to meet with God. Bring those concerns that have been weighing you down. Bring bring the, uh, the, the, the battle, the struggle that's been weighing you down. I want you to just come right now and bring it to God and begin to meet with God. Come on, can we do that this morning? Whatever God is speaking to you. Whatever God is speaking to you.